Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Ben Reichley. Greetings. Have, uh, caffeine. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. It's because <laughs> a little see. wound up. Caffeine is kicking in. Yeah, we've been yelling around yeah, the studio okay. here. Are you happy now? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Uh, Mr. Ben Reichley across from me, conservative local Republican committee person and let's moderate, see, business moderate person. Moderate Republican. American first. That's a good one. Oh, the moderate part is a good one. I like that. All right. Well, we'll, we'll argue that later. Uh, on the mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at sunburymotors.com. Toll-free line is open. Oh, no, check that. will be open in mm-hmm. about 15 minutes. Got a great guest to start us out today, so we'll do all those introductions uh, of the toll-free line and the email and the texting a little bit later on. Uh, we have asked for and received an opportunity today to talk to Charlotte Keith. She's an investigative reporter with Spotlight PA, which is just a fabulous nonprofit organization that's doing some real deep reporting around here, trying to find out about the uh, issues that exist in our area and give them some coverage that they really can't get uh, through any other method. They're supported by the Philadelphia Inquirer and WITF, and a, a wide range of other uh, groups are, are helping out uh, reporters and newspapers and so on. The Daily Adams on that list. I know that to be true. In New York contributor, right? Uh, no, we do not contribute. We are a consumer uh, and a negotiator. We, we have can, the contract uh, in hand. go and click online and make a small contribution to help. Well, PA I've done that. And I've done thank that you. personally, but the, the station's not a contributor just yet. So, with that, Charlotte, thank you so much for calling in today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I thought maybe you'd want to refute some of my introduction. I, I don't have a written one in front of me, and that's where we always run into trouble around here. Well, you did a fabulous story a couple of weeks ago about an obscure state law that prevents the high-speed Internet initiatives uh, from taking place maybe as robustly as they could otherwise in Pennsylvania. I think the goal was to give uh, existing utilities a great opportunity to uh, insert high-speed Internet all across Pennsylvania wherever possible. But and now it's running into a dilemma because the money's available and the uh, you, the municipalities or whoever it is hasn't done so. So let's kind of start at the beginning here. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll ask you a more of a remedial question, and that is why is broadband so important to Pennsylvania? We have talked about it some on this show, but uh, high-speed Internet in the rural parts of our area uh, really is pivotal for so many things we do today. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's exactly like you said. It's just there are so many aspects of life now um, for which having a reliable high-speed Internet connection is increasingly non-negotiable. That's, you know, um, from students to small businesses to farmers, so many things, even just, you know, staying in touch with friends and family. And with the pandemic, we really saw that come to the forefront and this real shift in the way that people think and talk about broadband seeing it really now as a basic necessity and something that everyone really needs to have to be able to participate in modern life. 
Now, if this is such an important thing for everyone to have, why aren't the uh, sort of the Verizons and the rural electric cooperatives and the people that are providing this uh, around here, or the wind streams of the world, why aren't they just doing it now as fast as they can, as many places as they can? Well, the challenge is, if you're a private company, uh, investing in rural broadband is very expensive and not particularly financially appealing. And private companies being private companies, you know, they have a responsibility to uh, not do things that are going to be big money losers. And so all across the country in rural areas, this same problem exists that just the return on investment is not appealing enough in many places to make it worth the while for some of the traditional internet service providers to uh, expand or upgrade service staff. All right. Along come a lot of public dollars from Washington, D.C. to help get us through the pandemic. But we have a law in Pennsylvania that uh, prevents uh, some municipally owned networks from getting set up. Tell us about this law, its intended purpose. And uh, at the, by now, we'll have to talk about a status update, what's going to happen to it. But let's talk. Let's go back to 93 and 2004. Sure. So I'm just going to correct you a little bit there. If the law doesn't prevent... Um, municipal broadband or it's not you know, a ban on local government owning networks. It's kind of just an extra obstacle in their way that doesn't apply to other uh, internet service providers. And this really goes all the way back to 1993 in Harrisburg when state lawmakers cut a deal with the existing landline phone companies at the time. And they passed this bill that overhauled the way those companies were regulated And in exchange, the companies agreed that they would eventually make broadband available to everyone in the state. And the idea was really um, forward-looking, that this would get people, especially in rural areas, this would get them broadband faster than if you just waited for the private market to take care of it. So then, in 2004, this deal had to be updated. And by this time, some cities in Pennsylvania had built or were kind of planning to build their own networks. And the phone companies argued that this wasn't fair because they were required by law to spend all this money to upgrade their networks to meet this um, universal broadband requirement. And they said it wasn't fair for them to have to do that and risk being undercut by municipalities. And so lawmakers added this provision, which basically says if you're a local government and you want to build your own broadband network, you have to go to the local landline company in the area and kind of give them a first bite at the apple. It's called the right of first refusal. And so if the company says no, the municipality can go ahead and do it. But if the company wants to offer the service themselves, then they have to do it within uh, 14 months. So it's not an outright ban saying, you know, local governments can never own broadband infrastructure or they can never um, build their own networks. But it's kind of another hurdle for them to jump over. And what's the status of uh, of changing this law so this broadband can be installed? Folks say these, uh, you know, other entities have had more than enough time to install their high-speed Internet. What's the status on affecting a fix? Sure. Well, for now, the law is is still in effect. And I think there's kind of two questions braided together in that. The first one is whether Pennsylvania is still having this law could cause some friction with the new federal money that's going to be coming for broadband. Um, the federal government has released this guidance for states on this big new grant program, and in that guidance, they 
strongly encourage states with restrictions like Pennsylvania's to suspend them uh, for the purposes of these grants. Pennsylvania is one of about 18 states with laws like this on the books. Um, But it's not really clear yet. The federal government hasn't really made clear what the consequences could be if states don't follow that recommendation. So that's kind of one question. I think the other is, is a broader question of kind of public policy and whether having this law makes sense and whether it's a good idea or whether it's an obstacle in that goal of getting broadband to everyone. And that's obviously kind of a, a different question. Well, Charlotte, this is Ben Reichley. Uh, isn't this template or this roadmap already laid out when you go back to the Royal the rural electric co-ops that happened back in the you know 1920s, 30s, 40s. So the the basic roadmap has already been laid out on how to fund this, and, and now we can't move it into the 21st century. Yeah, I mean, I think the basic idea behind a co-op is kind of the same as a local government that it's saying, okay, if doing this rural broadband isn't profitable, then maybe it needs to be done by an entity who's not primarily needing to make a profit, who can accept a much lower return on their investment. Um, But the issue is not all areas have rural electric co-ops. In some parts of the state, they have made big progress on broadband, but um, it's it's not like a universal fix. And so I think people who support um, municipal broadband efforts and those kinds of things see it as like another tool in the toolkit, like co-ops, to try to, you know, get some of these fixes done. Also, I've sat in some meetings in Harrisburg where this has come up under infrastructure, and and you know, infrastructure is many things to many people at different times. So, you know, when you talk about infrastructure, people think roads and bridges, but then you also think about your utilities. And one of the questions uh, we were dealing with a gentleman out of Harrisburg, and I can't remember Tony's last name, I believe, but the part about shouldn't the medical facilities, the universities, and some of the bigger businesses also be involved in this conversation, especially here in the central Susquehanna Valley. Here you come up the river, but we have universities and we have medical facilities, educational facilities on the on the high school K-12 to level, and businesses that all would be involved in having, I mean, all benefit from having a, a better broadband system. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's worth noting that in the federal grant money that's coming down, there is kind of special priority given for what are called community anchor institutions. So I think that could be like a hospital, a library, any kind of those sorts of things to try to make sure that those places have super extra fast um, connections. Um, I think the, the reason that this conversation with local governments comes up is because under state law, it's specifically local governments or entities created by local governments, which also covers a bunch of the local economic development organizations, they're the ones that have this kind of extra roadblock to navigate, even as they're often the same kinds of entities that are well-positioned to kind of be the ones to take this off. Yeah, and, and the gentleman I'm thinking of, his name's Todd Ekus, and I apologize for that because I've sat with him in meetings, but his frustration is this is a puzzle, and the pieces are coming together in some areas, but then all of a sudden you get some of the larger, let's say, communication companies, and they feel their pieces of the puzzle are more important than the others. And that's where the frustration comes in. And I, I would agree with one of your assessments here is that this is a 
area where government can step in and hopefully be a referee and and, and get this uh, moving in the right direction. I think the other thing I would just add is, you know, with this discussion about this law and local governments, not all local governments want to or have the capacity to take on the responsibility of owning or running a broadband network. Like, that's a heavy lift for a lot of local governments. But I think the argument you hear, again, from people who see this law as perhaps outdated or unhelpful is that if a local government is willing to do that and has done, you know, the research and the, um, had the discussions necessary to make that happen, do they really need to have, you know, this extra obstacle to get through to be able to do it? In your reporting, have you found any other obstacles as you report on rural areas? I know there's some areas where they say, well, we don't want no stinking high-speed Internet up here, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, that, that was a comment that came out of, uh, you know, northeastern Pennsylvania, one place there during a TV interview where they were talking about hooking up Internet. So uh, do you have you found that there's either pushback or just other obstacles, that this is one obstacle, but we should keep our eye on other things that may slow down the the broadbandization of Pennsylvania in the future? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think um, for a long time, you know, one of the big challenges was finding the funding and, uh, you know, piecing together different state and federal grants and just navigating kind of the bureaucratic side of that. Um, And also, I think just the fact that, you know, these initiatives often unfold over um, several years and it can take a long time. You know, if you're talking about a long-term plan, to build like a fiber network, which is you know the highest speed um, broadband infrastructure, that is something that's going to unfold over a number of years, and that means that's a lot of time for things to change and things to go wrong. I know that with the new broadband funding, some people are concerned about supply chain issues and labor force issues and those kinds of things. So it's it's definitely a complicated um, puzzle with a lot of moving parts, and even just with you know this uh, new federal money. Um, a lot of people are very excited. It's, I think, the largest ever federal investment in broadband. It's a, a huge amount. But at the same time, it comes with a lot of complicated administrative and reporting requirements that have to be understood and clarified. And that itself is also a process. Well, thank you so much for your coverage. Mm-hmm. Anything obvious to add to this or anything you wish to add that maybe we didn't ask you that's an important aspect to this story that our questions might not have elicited anything to to add, uh, Charlotte? Sure, yeah. I think I would just say, you know, we did um, include in the story this example of your local economic development organization, Drive, and their experience um, navigating this law. And I think that's an interesting example because it shows how what in theory is a simple process you know you ask the phone companies and they either say yes or no and if they say no you can do it in practice that can be a lot more complicated and even though this law has been around for years and years that case uh, that's before the Pennsylvania uh, Utility Commission really highlights how there are still kind of gray areas and unanswered questions about how the law is actually supposed to work in practice and so that even though you know in theory it's straightforward Uh, for a a small local organization trying to navigate that, 
that can be extra pitfalls. Yeah, boy, I'll tell you what, that mm-hmm. must have been a, an interesting add-on on her calendar, Jennifer Wakeman up at uh, Drive, because uh, now she's arguing in front of the PUC. She's got her own <laughs> PUC lawyer that's arguing the case, and that's uh, that's a lot different than some of the zoning and planning issues that you might come across locally. Thank you so much, Charlotte. Thanks for all you're doing. Yes. Thanks, Spotlight PA, for all they do. It's a real asset to Pennsylvania and our region, so we appreciate that. Thanks for calling in today. Thank you so much. Charlotte Keith, an investigative reporter with uh, Spotlight PA, nonprofit mm-hmm. organization, a genuine nonprofit organization. Uh, I'm going to say Philadelphia Inquirer spearheaded along with uh, WITF and some of the other public radio stations and TV stations, but then a lot of media got on board, our local daily items on the masthead there. Uh, we're considering it. Uh, we certainly do utilize their reporting with permission from time to time. So yeah, I get their emails. They're real force. And of course, they do solicit, like we talked earlier. Right, if you want to donate, donate they are to genuine nonprofit. And Charlotte's, uh, I think, Western Snyder County accent was uh, enlightening today mm. to hear. Oh yeah, way Western, like all the way around the world, planet. Uh, yeah, she's from England but, originally. But, but the broad, what's interesting, Mark, is when you look at Pennsylvania and you look at the Philadelphia region and you look at the Pittsburgh region and maybe Wilkes-Barre, Scranton. But you know, you look at the rural regions and where the policies over the decades or I hate to say centuries have come from, uh, you know, getting farmers out of the mud was Governor Pinchot when he, you know, <laughs> he'd get involved there. You understand, uh, you know, we still have state-run liquor stores, okay, but how do how do you mesh those policies? But the broadband, what's interesting, though, is, you, you know, the Bucknells, the Susquehannas, the Evans, the Geisingers, the UPMs, you know, those folks... Broadband is huge for them. Educate, you know, it's not for you and your wife to order your Amazon stuff. I mean, that's important also. But you, you would think there would be more of a contingent and a group moving forward, particularly in some of the rural areas, because the rural areas are then tied to the Williamsports or tied to the state colleges. So, it, like I said, I, I don't know where the gaps are exactly, but I know we had Todd Ekus on here a number of times. But the frustration is infrastructure, again, what are shovel-ready jobs? And why is the money almost misappropriated to get broadband, which broadband is a pretty bipartisan issue, I would mm-hmm. think. So, so, again, why this doesn't work? Bureaucratic mess. Yeah, we got to work through policy mess, and then also uh, some of the uh, communication companies want to put their fingers. Maybe they want a little bit more than pie they sh- than they should have. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five is our telephone number. We'll open up the phone lines. Our program sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Toll free line now open. Call us one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. You want to talk about Charlotte Keith and her reporting on this broadband issue? As you remember, State Senator John Gordner was on the show the other day. And said uh, that there is legislation being considered that would uh, either repeal or waive the law. He didn't actually have; uh, uh, wasn't locked in on the on the specific verbiage. <laughs> waive yet. the law is what the governor signs it. He waves well, as he drives by. <laughs> no, I mean a waiver. W a i v e r that kind of waiver. <laughs> You're funny, uh, but uh, yeah. That's so, funny. but they're working on they're working on a solution in Harrisburg, and they only have what a full week to go before. Yeah, they run I was going to say, Mark. There's uh, nothing like the last. Uh, but there's also something else going on down there, too. 
In Harrisburg? It's called the budget. Oh, that. <laughs> so so how much oxygen does this have? Well, it should get bipartisan support, at least a temporary waiver. But we'll see what, what comes of that. So if you wish to comment on that, you can. If you wish to talk about something else, January 6th committee and the uh, gun law changes and community safety changes being considered in Washington uh, are fine. Uh, Congressman Muser yesterday talked about Republicans coalescing behind Doug Mastriano and Senator, or, uh, well, it's not Senator. Oz, uh, candidate Oz wants to be senator, so uh, we can talk about that. It's an open phones Friday, 1-800-795-9565. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On the mark, I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Ben is across from me. Yeah, fine local Republican committee person, so we appreciate you coming in, taking days off of his business. And I'm assuming you're doing a lot of the construction on that uh, building you're building down there? No, brick by brick. Oh, yeah, good for you. Yeah, shovel here, you shovel your, there. Your hands are dirty, but yeah. uh, your your tie is clean. Uh, Dale, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in. What's up? Yeah, I know you're going to argue me because your lead sponsor is government. And government, we know, if you didn't fail history, that government has a tendency to lie. So, I'm uh, to be an investigative investigative reporter. Let your people know that y- your station is not 100% sponsored by private people. You are sponsored by government. In what way? Well, you're okay, over, overseen by government, oversight by government, okay, the you're, FCC. You're right? going to argue with me here because. Dale, 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 hang on here, Dale. Let's let's start with a discussion, and then let's see where it goes okay, from there. Discussion is discussion is the food shortages is manufactured by Republicans. They started a proxy war in 2017. Lindsey Graham started a proxy war in Ukraine, and the food shortage is from phosphate, not wheat. It's phosphate, and Russia owns all the phosphate, so. The Hunger Games is not global warming. It's because we started a proxy phosphates war with Russia. Phosphates for the oh, fertilizers. For first. the fertilizers, yes, you're phosphate. Yeah, that creates food. Dale, okay? Dale, can I put this out there, though? Uh, 2014, Russia no, annexed... Yeah, but 2014, Russia annexed Crimea, which is part of Ukraine. So wouldn't that step in front of 2017? Well, we put gas on the fire with Lindsey Graham. So the Republicans are the ones promoting socialism. Okay. Okay. If you know history, if you didn't fail history, you know our government does not tell the truth. Okay. All right? Okay. (laughs) Well, okay. All I have to say is, okay, we get our government 100% gave up on capitalism. 100%. So the Hunger Games has begun. 
All right, we got you. you what, it's not because of wheat. It's not because of wheat. It's not because of global warming. Because of that. No, I would say, I would say right, it's, we got it's you. Due, thank you. Uh, thank two you. years ago, it was it was two hundred and sixty-three. We got to get another call now, going. Today, it's eight hundred ninety-six dollars. So in, by next year, it's going to be sixteen hundred dollars for a ton of that. All right. We so got we you. are going to be giving out a handful of rice. Okay. All right. We got you. Thank you so much. You guys, Thanks. The truth. People deserve the truth, and they deserve food. The government's so, telling me to move on. I have to get the next call. Thank you, Dale. Thanks for calling. No, no, no. I don't have time for one thing. I don't have time for one thing. I would say you got to get more involved in EGS. Yeah, I got a whole bunch of stuff to get over. I just soon call back later. Oh, you want to call back after nine o'clock? Okay. Yeah, I think so because it's getting right down to the wire. Yep, we got a couple minutes. All right, thank you so much. Uh, I I would say Dale has a point on something, but what we're looking at in the the government sponsoring us—that the well, the government over. Oversight, for well, the SEC. yeah, but he said sponsor. But look at the, they pay for us. Look at what's going on in what they refer to as EGS, which is the Environmental Social Government. Oh, here we go. And look, well, and look, <laughs> and look where the investors are going. Look at uh, look at the large hedge funds. Look at the Black Rocks, the Vanguards, and State Streets, and look at the control they have within the sectors of your four hundred one k. My 401k, mm-hmm. others too. So there's um, there's a there's a bit to what Dale's saying that uh, can uh, can be pertinent to what's going government on. Government sponsoring to be okay? Not government sponsoring. No, I WK. don't think but so. You know See, what, that's that, kind of but, false. But, but, but government, but yeah, but the other stuff he's talking about is, but the Ukraine dates. But remember, though, uh, the government does sponsor communications, NPR. And public TV, well, yeah, so. a tiny fraction of their money, but I guess so. Yeah, but they don't have anything. They don't send any checks to WKOK. And I can assure you from the front office, I haven't personally seen one, that there are checks from WKOK that go to the government. Yes. So yes. I guarantee it. But the FCC right. does oversight, though. You have to. Well, we have to apply by, by the rules. rules. Yeah, well, that's so. like saying PennDOT sponsors your foreign tourists out there. No, you're traveling on their highways, right? Well, right, yeah. <laughs> so they give you money to drive on their roads. Uh, that doesn't just, happen. I think they just took a little money from me. I was driving, I, I think, think, a little so. faster than they wanted me well, to. Well, that's another topic. <laughs> All right, to be continued, folks. Uh, we are enjoying a fabulous Open Phones Friday. We'd love to hear from you during the 9 a.m. hour. We'll have CBS, then brief news headlines. And we're going to talk about a tax proposal. This is W. KOK Sunbury. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email on the mark at WKOK.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Ben Reichley. Greetings. Welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Ben is here. It is Friday. It is Friday, the 17th day of June, 2022. Uh, We're going up to 86 degrees today with a real feel of 90 starting at 11 a.m. But then the real feel will go down as the afternoon progresses. Mm -hmm. So it's going to get nicer and nicer. And then tomorrow's high just 70 degrees, so a nice chilly day. Perfect to really work hard outdoors. But you know where it's going to be hot at? Uh, Western U.S.? State College today at 4.30 when the Fighting Seals Group of Seals will play for another state baseball 
championship. Yep, we'll be monitoring that, so we'll let you know about the outcome. Stay tuned to our social media and the Steve Jones Show today to keep up. Steve Jones should be doing a remote right from the uh, stadium. (laughs) He's been out a mile away. What is it, Medlar Field? Uh, A couple times. Medlar Field, something park in La Bardo, yeah, we, we, we butchered uh, this. So right. It's See, a park and a field. <laughs> don't ask questions you don't know the answer to is, yes. our, is our old motto, and I just <laughs> violated it. All right, On the Mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at sunburymotors.com. Uh, our toll-free line open now. Call us 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarkatwkok.com and text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. Some very brief news headlines here. Roads wide open yesterday, but it was blocked yesterday because of a tractor-trailer crash. That's Route 147 northbound in West Chillisquaukee Township, Northumberland County. An injury accident occurred yesterday afternoon. The road didn't open until about 6.30 p.m. Uh, that road now open, though. No details out on the wreck from state police. Pennsylvania Senator Doug Mastriano has a plan to voluntarily allow some highly trained personnel in our school buildings to carry a gun on school grounds, but the state's largest teachers union says no way. State Senator Doug Mastriano says he will introduce legislation allowing school employees to carry guns. Mastriano, the Republican nominee for governor, says the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas is the reason for his plan. It would allow teachers or staff with a concealed carry permit to possess a firearm on school property. But Rich Askey, president of the Pennsylvania State Education Association, released a statement opposing the plan, saying more firearms and classrooms and hallways provide more opportunities for students and staff members to be injured or killed. I'm David Payne, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Sunbury River Festival has announced this year's theme, and they are looking for more artists to participate. SRI says the theme is Art Comes Alive as a way to highlight the growing art community in and around Sunbury. This year's River Festival, August 19th and 20th, it'll kick off with The Valley's Got Talent, and those auditions are July 27th and 28th. But then other artists and creatives, they have a name now, creatives, interest and being part of the festival need to submit an application by July 31st. They can either be doing a participatory learning experience or something else for festival goers or set up vendor space. I think uh, Art Thomas should jump out of the cake Not to get those that started. Kind of arts. Come on no. now. We'll get Art Bowen and Art Thomas. Art and, Thomas? Uh, yeah. And, uh, Why not? And the other arts that we know. Art Linkletter, is he still alive? I don't think so. I doubt it. Yeah, he'd be 100. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Organizers say there'll be special collaborations with the YMCA Arts Center and local artist Mars Creates. Now you ruin that. Every time I see that, now I'm going to think of um, Art Thomas. AP reporting that Pennsylvania Senate approved two competing plans Wednesday to slash the state's corporate net income tax rate, although Democrats warn the bills are premature because there's no agreement yet with Governor Tom Wolf. The bills passed on a nearly party-line basis, 31 to 19, with twin votes in the Republican-controlled chamber. Two Democrats sided with every Republican senator in voting for the bills. Wolf, a Democrat, says that he's optimistic about coming to an agreement with the Republican lawmakers on a plan to to cut taxes for corporations that pay Pennsylvania's onerous 9.99% tax rate, one of the nation's highest rates. In Washington, the House Committee investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol turned its attention 
attention to former President Donald Trump's campaign to pressure former Vice President Mike Pence. They wanted Pence to reject electoral votes. A hearing testimony yesterday from close Pence aides says that he hunkered down in a basement garage for about five hours to wait out the insurrection and said that the president's efforts to overturn the 2020 election, he said, Pence said, were nonsensical and un-American. And the downward pull continued yesterday on Wall Street as the S&P closed at its lowest level since December 2020. CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger tells us uncertainty about whether the Federal Reserve rate increase announced yesterday and other increases in that expected later this year will get control of inflation or cause the economy to slip into recession. Investors also seem to be really concerned that the Fed can only deal with one side of the old economics 101 equation, and that is supply and demand. The Fed can really only influence demand. Supply is simply out of their hands. The Federal Reserve yesterday bumped up interest rates by three-quarters of a percentage point. Additional increases are expected later <laughs> this year. Well, the biggest increase in, what, 50 years? Yeah. 0.75, whatever the exact number Trying is. Trying to screech the brakes on inflation. Uh, incompetence on top of incompetence on <laughs> top of incompetence. Right. Brainlessness. Well, when the vortex sucks your brain out, it's not really incompetence. You don't even have the wherewithal to make wise decisions. Finally, uh, two items nationally from CBS marking the end of slavery in the U.S. in 1865. It's known as Freedom Day or mm. Juneteenth. The name is a combination of June and 19th, in case you didn't know. General George Gordon Granger arrived in Galveston, Texas, and announced that all enslaved people are now free. Last year it was designed, designated as a federal holiday, but since it falls on a Sunday, most of us will get the day off on Monday. Mm. On the mark, what special... Uh, June. Juneteenth edition on Monday. Yep, Joe okay. and I will be here. Okay. And finally, Disney's Lightyear movie, the new movie in theater starting today, and already there's quite a controversy. The movie has a same-sex couple in it, two married women kissing. For that reason, it won't be shown in 14 markets across the Middle East and Southeast Asia. Also on Twitter, actress Patricia Heaton blasted Pixar for not using Tim Allen to voice Buzz. Why would they completely yeah. castrate their character, she said. That's, cool. that's what she said. One tweet back explained Tim played the toy version of Buzz and Chris Evans plays the adult version. Yeah, well, it didn't have, because he's a conservative guy. I mean, that's pretty obvious. Oh. Tim Allen's a conservative comedian, oh, and they uh, blacklisted him, and he's not going to be there. No. Most likely, and maybe, and or he asked for more money. Or maybe artists can do whatever they want to with their movies. That's true. That might be the other That's thing. That's true. But, but why wouldn't you have somebody who was in the movie before? And uh, Yes, and the, mean, one of our listeners says, Mark, you're failing to ask the who cares question about all your news. So there you have it. All right, thank you. Well, I think uh, you care because you're reading it. <laughs> all right, 1-800. 795-9565. We would love to hear from you today. And you can email us at onthemarketwkok.com and text us at 70236. Lance was on the line earlier. He is back. Good morning, sir. You're on the mark. Hey, happy to be there. That's for sure. Why? After you read all that and the stupid stuff that our government's doing, do you still say they're not nuts? I mean, really? It's only to make sense. Nobody could be that stupid. 
Once, if you have had a craniotomy and had your brain removed, can you say you're nuts or you just don't have a brain? I don't say they're nuts. I say they don't have a brain. The the vortex removes gray matter from individuals in Washington and Harrisburg. <laughs> well, that's certainly a viable opinion. That's for sure. Well, anyway, we were talking uh, the other day about the uh, gas price in uh, Venezuela, ten cents. You see, their money is worthless. Uh, they, uh, at one time, were the fourth largest economy on the planet back in the 90s, and Ford shipped more F-150s to that country than any other country besides the United States. So they really had a very healthy middle class. But they decided to do what AOC and the crew would absolutely love to do to this country. All that oil out there, that belongs to the people, so the government's going to run it. And they did that with all their other industries, including their food supply, all bet, and it, it crashed. So if you look at some of the other places down there that did the same thing, well, we'll take it, let's say, uh, Uruguay, for instance. Well, their, their uh, peso is like uh, 40 to the dollar. But the, the real good one there is, uh, the, yeah, Uruguay. Yeah, Uruguay. Oh, Colombia is a goodie. 3,793. And then we take uh, Argentina that once had parity with a dollar. One of theirs to one of ours? My goodness. After they put in that man of the people, it's up to 121 to the dollar. So, yeah. Now, if you would then extrapolate that into you know dollars that would be what about like uh it'd be like thirteen dollars a gallon yeah pretty easy yeah. well the, um, the the other part is that the nationalization created incompetence from the standpoint of uh the ongoing research and development of the industry the ongoing uh let's say, maintenance of the industry, the understanding, uh, the efficiencies, and, and going to market. So the, the Venezuela people have, uh, you know, if you want to look at socialism that has gone wrong, uh, you just look at Venezuela. It should be in the dictionary, mm-hmm. among that other sure countries, should. among okay. other countries. Oh, this here uh, broadband and all that. I just like to have a cell phone that works in rural areas. <laughs> That's all, you know. Uh, you all should, this other uh, junk. Well, has your mm-hmm. cell signal deteriorated lately, or is it about uh, the same as it ever was? Oh, it's <laughs> it's as bad as it ever was. It's spotty. It's as bad as it ever was. How's the internet though? Internet. Well, yeah. he, how would he to know? get on the internet? Oh, you can't why, get why on. Why not? Oh. I don't have a computer. Oh, but okay. the cell phone where it accesses the internet, you know, I do things with that. Okay, because we'll, uh, uh, we'll that's that's spotty. We'll get you the guest password to Penn's Tavern, and you can use theirs, uh, you know, their Wi-Fi. Well, and some oh. of the people that are getting five G complain that the single strength signal strength is less. That they're mm. they're in a five G area now, but they used to have four bars. Now they only have two or three. But Lance, you can go uh, west and get in the Susquehanna River in a kayak and probably get strong internet cell service. Yeah, but he's, ah. he'd have to well, portage fifteen no, miles. Not, this sounds weird, <laughs> but all I got to do is go down to our sewer plant. 
I don't know if they have it there in the equipment <laughs> or what. Well, that's good. It, oh, it's good. It's good cell service. That's there. good that All your right. sewer okay. plan All is right. now, up. Uh, of course, our president was talking about taxing the billionaires to bring up our de- our uh, budget deficit. Well, if you had all the billionaires' money and you could take it from them every year, it lasts until Labor Day. So they'd have to make up the, in order to make up the budget deficit, they would have to take about 30% of their net worth every single year. So that's kind of uh, stupid, isn't it? Well, maybe we could pay back the debt as fast as we... uh uh, accumulated it. Certainly, the most debts come lately in the past uh, eight years or so. But yeah. but we could pay it back over the course mm-hmm. of two hundred years. That's how long we've had debt. Last twelve years, yeah. fourteen years, okay. really. Right. Okay. All right. I talk about record profits for the oil companies. Well, I remember back oh, twenty years ago when Exxon set the record for the most money. Uh, most profit from any corporation, and that was $40 billion. Well, they made 25, which on revenue was about an 8% profit. And then Shell, you know, they made like a 7% profit. I mean, what in the world? Do they expect them to work for nothing or what? <laughs> yeah, I think Bloomberg, yeah. Uh, I believe it was Bloomberg where I saw the data, which it showed that the uh, use of the, the profits for the oil companies were higher under the Obama administration than they are now. And if mm-hmm. you look at the numbers of profit per hundred dollars, it's it, oil companies are in the six to seven percent range. If you look at taxes, the state of New York takes, they're in the nine percent range. So it yeah. sounds like uh, they're doing well. But if you if the folks look out there and think there's windfall profits, look back at what the oil companies' profits were in past administrations, and you can sort of get an idea. Because what happens is you might pay them five dollars a gallon or whatever you're paying for diesel. But the cost of that has extremely uh, risen. So uh, th- there's a there's a misunderstanding sometimes between the cost of doing business and the profits from that business. All right. Thank you so much, Lance. Oh. Thanks for calling in. Okay. Oh, well, I got a whole bunch of other stuff, but I guess we'll call back. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate okay. the call. All right. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. Uh, you can email us at onthemarketwkok.com or text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. Let's see. We've talked with the Spotlight PA reporter about the broadband issue, and uh, Senator Gordner says they're working on a fix. Uh, uh, and we talked about the vortex removing brain matter out of individuals in Washington and Harrisburg, except Senator Gordner, of course. We appreciate his <laughs> service. And cell phone, one of our service, or one of our emailers says, absolutely, signal strength goes down when 5G goes up. So I don't know if that's a rumor or if that's a real thing. Who knows? All right, 1-800-795-9565. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be right back. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. 
You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. We got an email about... Governor Wolf tax cuts for the wealthy, so we'll be discussing mm. those shortly. We got a caller standing by as well. We got some pent up email demand. We're going to be discussing that shortly too. Tom's on the mark. Thank you so much, sir, for calling in. Go right ahead. Yeah, Ben's always talking about, always complaining about how poorly the government's run, and they have all this wasteful spending. But you know, his company got $4.6 million from the CARES Act, which I take it was for PPP. It was to pay back uh, money they lost for... But, I mean, if they if they pay uh, given $4.6 million to their employees for pay, I want to get an, I want to get an application. I want to get a job there because that's a lot of money. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what do you think, Ben? This is funny. Yeah. yeah uh, obviously, Tom, you don't understand probably some of the accounting scenarios. And if you don't qualify for the money, you don't get the money. But uh, uh, Tom seems to have a uh, misunderstanding. But if you, if, but if, but if you'd like, a lot of money for, well, if you'd that's l- a lot of money for a company to get off of a government that they hate. Well, that's for payroll. Uh, they yeah. spent too who much you, money. Who are you talking about hating? Hey, you got four point six million dollars. That's a lot of money. And other companies who qualify get the money too, Tom. So I, I, I you're, you're misunderstanding yeah, but, how I mean, businesses you hate this work. Government money. I mean, this is just terrible. What, ben. I what mean, government money do we hate, Tom? What government money do we hate? According to what, Tom? According to you, you say this: the government spends too much money. They waste money. They pass it out like they're passing out candy. Okay, candy bars. Four point six million dollars yeah, selling cars like candy bars. I've heard that. What, okay. what, what is it actually for? Tell me. I, I'm not stupid. Oh, Tell me oh, what it's PPP for. PPP loans. Oh, yeah, I can PPP answer that loans, one. Yeah. PPP loans are to backfill payroll during the pandemic, so you could keep mm-hmm. people on staff without doing layoffs. Okay, and that's so, what I'm saying. So, so bigger companies got more money. Uh, all well, probably most of the companies around here got some. And if you stayed in business and didn't do layoffs afterward and are in the black, you do not have to pay the loans back they become a grant but so loans they were paid back and grants it, it loans and grants are a little bit different but uh we, we we've qualified by paying uh, large sums back you so, did pay some back so maybe tom your misunderstanding well tom understands still it. Runs tom out. how much hey, pay what, back? Ben, if you got if you got a payroll of 4.6 million bucks I don't want to come work for you. Well, there's 200 people there. Yeah, there's 250 people. Well, so. And you pay 200 people 4.6 million bucks? Well, of course you would over a couple of wow. years. Wow! Oh, I'll tell you what, Ben. I'll be down for an application. I won't work for you, fella. Look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know luck. that. I won't work for you. <laughs> if you, yeah, d- if you disclose that attitude, you're not going to make it. Yep. All right. Thank you, Tom. You got him this time, baby. Oh, boy. <laughs> thank yeah, you. Really not. All right, Mike, go right ahead. Thanks for calling in. Uh, two things. I'm generally a contrarian, 
and uh, have a negative outlook. My glasses, you know, half full, all that stuff. And it's true. I admit it. But I think, you know, <clears throat> people are talking about inflation right now and, and the war in Ukraine. I think there's a strong possibility that we will see a, uh, a subsidence in the war and some type of negotiations to get an agreement where, you know, <clears throat> all sides get uh, taken care of, you know, in the public opinion area. And I think that'll do a lot to help, you know, the energy in the food issue, which obviously is a huge part of inflation. So, I, you know, again, most people don't think like that, I don't think. But I, I think something good is going to happen. Generally, I look for the worst to happen. So that, that's number one. But the, the main thing that I really want to talk about is the January 6th investigation. And I'll leave it to historians and people that are, you know, very intelligent and can write well. Victor Davis Hansen uh, from the Hoover Institute out at Stanford University, he, uh, he has an excellent article, What the January 6th Committee Might Have Been. And he outlines point after point on how this thing has completely fell short of what a democratic process could be. And like number one, no speaker had ever rejected the minority party's nominees to select members of the House Committee. And, and what that means is there's no uh, cross-examination. There's no light being shed on what really happened. For instance, are they talking about the number of FBI agents and informants that were among the crowd? No, that's not even uh, talked about. And there's never any questioning about, did anyone have pre-existing knowledge of this event? And to me... They say January 6th and Donald Trump is the biggest threat to democracy. I think that fairness and openness is actually the biggest threat. Well, it's obvious, Mike, that they're uh, biased and they're not objective. You know, that's obvious if you hear the remarks of Liz Cheney. It's clear that they're not looking for both sides of the story. But they're not done yet. And they say they are going to look into the the warnings that existed prior to and, you know, who did what and who told whom what. I don't recall that they're going to talk about this FBI, you know, embedded FBI agents that are monitoring all these different groups and so on. I don't know that they mentioned that, but they definitely said they're going to be talking about who knew what when about how bad it was going to be. And it's certainly, even if they never do, it certainly has been talked about. Where did you hear, where, where are they talking about this? Uh, I, I think it was just in their preamble months ago. I've been I've been saying it for months because, you know, they said it then. But in any event, if they don't, it's just another, you know, glaring oversight on their part. It still is technically... <laughs> An oversight. An oversight is when you lose, and I, I don't mean to be confrontational, but an oversight, uh, you know, I, I view an oversight as, oh my gosh, I should have thought of that. That's an oversight. This, what you're saying they're doing is a, a preconceived or a premeditated decision to handle it like this. I, I, I cannot characterize this as an oversight. Well, I think what, I, if my characterization is off, who was it that said that it was legitimate political discourse? I mean, come on, or or a normal tourist day. If you want to attack people that don't use dialogue that you agree with. But I think the fact that we already know that half a dozen people were warned that this was going to be hugely wild and completely ignored that warning is criminal. So if they're not going to look it up in the January Six that the committee doesn't have any criminal indictment ability anyway. But if no one else is going to look into it, the next administration will have to, because it's obvious that 
multiple people on both sides of the aisle and the administration and the Congress knew that it was going to be bigger than small and wilder than calm. And they already they already knew the Proud Boys were interested in insurrection if it could somehow happen. Now, they didn't necessarily have a plan, per se, but they knew that they could make insurrection happen if they did it, especially if Mike Pence didn't do what they wanted them to. Mike, we'll let you wrap up. you got an open mic. Go right ahead. Okay, now that that was a very valid and excellent summary of what has transpired, but that is not anything close to the message presented to the American people. And that's the disconnect. That's why I say this is a threat to democracy. If it's allowed to stand and allowed to go on unchallenged, we're just creating uh, an environment that, what, what, what are they saying? It's like Stalin-esque, uh, kangaroo court, all that stuff. I, I believe that's true, because what you're saying is sounds reasonable and logical, but that is not the case, and it's a shame. All right, we got you. Hey, thank you so much, thank Mike. You. You're Thanks for checking Thanks for in. Now. Stan, last caller before a quickie break. Go ahead, sir. You're on the mark. Good morning, Mark. Uh, you were talking about broadband, and broadband in the rural area really sucks. Just to be frank about it, <laughs> I've had, uh, I think it's Sky Packets here in Danville, uh, has has the area covered supposedly well they came out to my place to check and we have no signal out where we're at uh, so they couldn't help me but I did go to T-Mobile they have a, what they call their home internet system that goes off their cell signal now I, honestly I have no idea how it goes off their cell signal because I have lousy cell signals too <laughs> in my area but it works great compared to the Verizon DSL we used to have right. it runs three to four times faster okay okay it, for for only a few dollars more, and it's pretty reliable. I haven't had any, too much too much problem with it. So that's broadband. So I don't know, you know, whether the government funding it, which I, I I have a problem with that to a point because if the government funds it, when the profits are divided up amongst the company, will the government get any of that money back? Uh, you know what I'm the, you not, know, I understand well. what I'm saying. Is it put, being put out as grants, or is it being put out as loans to develop this? Stuff? I don't think it'll ever be in private hands at all if it's put on by a nonprofit. Like a lot of these municipalities are doing it on their own with a nonprofit, and they never have a profit motive. They'll always it'll always be a municipal service unless they sell it to a private company, which they could do, well, or lease it. Right. They could and, lease it for management purposes. There you go. Okay. I mean, I, that's why I'm asking. I question because I, I don't know. I mean, the, the Sky Packet. I think it's Sky Packet is the one I got here, and there was another one too. And they don't cover my area, so you know they have a system. But it, I guess unless you're in the flatland, it doesn't work because I'm not. So that's just it. Now I have a question for Tom. He's probably still listening. You know, he has a problem with Ben's company getting money through the what, what was it PP. E? Uh, is that what it's called? PPP. PPP, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, what well, right. because, be, because you were keeping people employed. Now, my question, in, and he doesn't think the government should have done that. That's an opinion, and I don't necessarily disagree with that opinion, but it is what it is. But does he also have a problem with the government providing uh, money to put uh, EV charging stations all across the country, every 50 miles along the interstates? You know the government isn't going to put those in. It's going to be private companies putting them in that's going to own them. But they're getting money from the government. My question is, does he have a problem with that? And will the government ever get that money back from these private companies? 
or is the you know or are they going to get a cut of the profits? And that hasn't been answered to my satisfaction anywhere. Well, the government again, infrastructure comes many ways and sizes and shapes when you look at it. Uh, it's not roads and bridges, but you look at the subsurface infrastructure, which is utilities. Uh, people think water and sewer, but you also look at the communication utilities and the lack of coordination between these different government entities. And you're, you're again, you talk to different nonprofits, you talk to different municipalities about getting grants or low-interest loans to improve their infrastructure, and that's all over the place. In Pennsylvania, particularly water, sewer, stormwater work is done under a group called PennVest, which you uh, put in for your grant or you put in for your loan. But remember, a lot of the government loans during COVID were or government money during COVID started in loans and became grants. But you have to qualify for those. You you don't just get those, and that's probably the misunderstanding of the uh, last caller. Because if you do not qualify, you do not get those. And also, too, you have to meet criteria to make your loans become grants. That happens uh, in many government agencies. So, again, you have to look at some of the details and understand the situations, and then your company can adapt whichever way uh, works for the government and works for the company. Well, uh, and that's one thing. But my specific thing is the EV charging stations, because it's going to be private entities put them in. It's not going to be a government. It's not going to be a local municipality, because they're spread all across the country along the interstates. I'm sure and, that information and the electricity, is somewhere. The <laughs> electric companies are going to make money because they're supplying the electricity. And the people that own the charging stations are going to make money. But, but the government provided the funds to do it. But the problem is, Dan, right now they cannot just put a charging station because they need to have some sort of activity because you're right. going to be there you for to 25 wait. to 45 minutes. Or so, more. So, the, you know, Sheets might as well try to uh, uh, put in, uh, you know, their mini-mark somewhere, or, or maybe uh, we'll have something around uh, Pennsylvania called Wise's Express where right. you can That's stop and charge and games go. of skill. Yeah, games of skill. Because there's time to kill. All right, we got well, to that, stand. That, that I understand. I understand all that. The private entities can do it, but they don't need to have government funds to do it. Giant and Danville just put two of them in. I doubt if they got government funds to do it. Right. I could be wrong. I but they did it because check. of service to their customers. I would double check that because when you say government funds, maybe not directly, but indirectly did they get government funds because is, right. is that a write-off? Is that a write-off that they can I, I use? Doubt if, I doubt if the, the, the local store would tell me that. But, uh, you know, either way, I don't want the government putting money into EV charging stations. If, if it's so good, the system's so great, <laughs> then they should do it just like the petroleum companies did when the first gas stations Stan, were built that, that, and that continued ho- to be that built. That horse is out of the barn and out of the corral. <laughs> and bucking wildly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Stan. That, that's the problem. Have a good one. Yep, thank you so much. All right, 1-800-795-9565. Hold on, Greg. we got to hit the button. We'll be right back. <laughs> You okay, one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five is our telephone number. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com. So far today, we've talked about broadband in rural parts of Pennsylvania, EV stations, January sixth committee, energy, food, inflation, government wasteful spending, five G cell service, stupid government, and the U.S. dollar. <laughs> 
So if you'd like to focus on one of those topics, call us mm. now. Nationalization of Venezuela's industries. Oh, I forgot that. And uh, Lance, Lance taking a canoe out to the Susquehanna River to get better broadband. I didn't mention Or that. going down to a sewer plant to get better Oh, service. on their Wi-Fi, maybe. Yeah. Good for them. <laughs> Yeah, boy. All right. Socialism. Yeah, we got to get that in there. All right. 1-800-795-9565. Greg, thanks for waiting a short time. You are on the mark. Um, me? Yep. This, oh, okay. Yeah. This is uh, Greg Bernori. Hey. hey, so I'm calling about the PPP program, um, the comments there. You know, this has been a beef of mine ever since that program came out. Yeah, it's just another example of government waste and government mismanagement, you know, Businesses with 500 or less employees qualify for that. You know, that that's a massive size firm. I think a firm in foods probably doesn't even have 500 employees. Now, let's talk about the numbers. So you can get up to $2 million PPP forgivable grants. Now, there's a lot of companies that weren't even shut down during the pandemic. Let's think waste management companies. So let's just say I'm a proprietor of a waste management company. I have a decent sized payroll. Um, I'm still generating enough revenue to pay my guys, yet I still apply for a PPP loan and stick 500 grand in my pocket. So basically, middle-sized employers are getting rich off the PPP loan, and small businesses think five, ten employees, businesses that were uh, tra- uh, really affected by the pandemic, stores that were shut down and restaurants shut down, businesses that are really struggling to survive, being that their payroll is small, they barely got anything. So um, I agree with the guy that's talking about the LB Water. I don't know their case specifically, but... You know, they they probably stuffed their pockets with a lot of cash. That's my beef. That's false. I know that to be true. Uh, we, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to belabor the point about that particular company because they did receive a loan and they paid it back. All right, so there was no grant involved there. So let's get that out of the way. But secondly, I know a lot of companies that are, that. Uh, well, first of all. Your real beef is about government overspending and trying to subsidize businesses and, of course, as you would expect, not doing it fairly. Well, my beef is about people getting rich off of these BS programs and government oversight. So I have two beefs, people getting rich and government stupidity of spending. (laughs) Well, we can't do anything about government stupidity. We keep re-electing it, so that's part of the problem, but uh, in any event, um, well, I I certainly think that uh, some people probably got rich from PPP money, but they got it because they were eligible. You're damn right they did. They kept it because they were eligible, so and I still know that, you know, a lot of small businesses were able to apply for other funding streams that were to help them during the shutdown, either through their state or federal government, all the way down to the counties. Union County is going to have another grant around for businesses that struggled during the pandemic to help make some of that. Yeah, and there's right. still states and municipalities that have government money that they didn't spend. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so, I, I, yeah, I would look into what you're defining as people who got rich over that or where the government monies went because you can, you can, you can follow certain trails of money, but right now there's a lot of government money that has not been applied, and that's one of the situations in Harrisburg going on with Wolf and the Budget, the where they have yeah. surpluses, and they uh, they have it because of the government money. And that's why we're sitting in inflation right now. Right, in our budget, and we're not having a budget fight. All right, thank you so much, Greg. Good points all. We appreciate your viewpoints. Thanks for calling in today. 
All right, thank you, Mike. Yeah, appreciate that. We're going to take a quickie break. We will be right back. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake. A service technician who really knows what he's doing, they can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right, welcome back. 1-800-795-9565. Let's see, one of our listeners says, Over the past decade, Pennsylvania has enacted numerous corporate tax cuts, and the the costs have skyrocketed. Uh, As per the Pennsylvania Budget and Policy Center, the tax revenue losses more than tripled since 2003 and 2004, from $850 billion to just under $3.2 billion per year. In 2016, Governor Wolf and the legislature eliminated the capital stock and foreign franchise tax, that cost is $242 million. Now the governor and the legislature are discussing a major cut and another tax on businesses. If passed on, it would mean a loss of hundreds of millions of dollars in tax dollars to the Commonwealth each year. And they're discussing increasing the tax break they give movie makers in Pennsylvania. All of these tax cuts are for the wealthy folks. Where are the tax cuts for everyday Pennsylvanians? Where are the tax breaks for workers who pay multiple taxes on every paycheck? Where are the tax breaks for the struggling middle class and lower income Pennsylvanians? Well, I will say, just on that last point, Governor is still pushing for gifts for lower income Pennsylvanians from some of this federal dollars. So that's still happening. I don't know how he can do it on his own, and I doubt the legislature would approve it. But I, I, w- I wouldn't say that everybody paying the corporate uh, capital, or the corporate net income tax, is a wealthy folks. I mean, you have working class companies that are barely in the black or right on the margin, and they would certainly enjoy a tax cut. Uh, you remember Dwayne Heisler used to come in here. He ran his own business mm-hmm. and talked about how 63% of his revenue, and he was in the black, but he was running a tax uh, recovery business, 63% of his revenue in Bloomsburg was going to tax taxes and fees and costs mm-hmm. and things that the government and municipalities and the state and the county were imposing on yeah, this, so, this has he a, was not wealthy. No, this, had a, this has a bunch of stuff put into it, but you're talking about capital stock and foreign franchise tax. You're talking about well, the corporate gone. net income, but then you're also talking about, if you want to, get rid of the loopholes, particularly the Delaware loophole, mm-hmm. where you can operate in Pennsylvania but be incorporated. But there, there's one thing to look back. When people talked about the Reagan tax cuts back in the 80s, and you talked about the Trump administration's tax cuts. Look at the revenues that come in, and particularly on the federal side, is when there's tax cuts, there's increased revenues. Now, the emailer here says this was lost, but no, no, that dollars was lost on static However, was there more revenues? Did you create more taxpayers? Now, uh, maybe the numbers didn't, but, but what happens is 
if you're going to have taxes, you want the taxes to be at the level where you have more taxpayers. And when you have more taxpayers, your revenues will go up. So, again, when people are complaining about taxes, then look at the tax policy. Look at the loopholes that are in your tax policy, federal level and state level, and then see. And remember, my screen was blank. We got callers. I hate to interrupt you, but they're waiting. Tom, you get 60 seconds. Go right ahead. As far as what Stan says, I, I have no problem with I have no problem with people getting money if the government has a plan to get it out. I don't care that Ben's company got that money. Moving on. That doesn't that doesn't bother me at all. What bothers me is he comes on here and complains about everybody else getting money. All right. well, I, 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 I have no idea know, what you're, you're talking about, it, Tom. If you're going to get it, don't complain about somebody Tom, else getting it, because Tom, that's not right. Please no, tell us. Mean, we're, that's, that's, nobody's complaining about anyone else getting oh, money, so I, I don't do know what we're uh, talking uh, about. Ben, Governor Wolf wants to give $2,000 out to each people person under that makes under $80,000. Now, that would help a lot of people. Uh, that's that cold. would be good for them. That, that's I the you're money. against that. No, that's the money that will be uh, make inflation even worse. So that $2,000 uh, 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 will uh, cost, will cost right, people more you. money. Hey, i got to tell you about the Sunbury Motor Company. It's a family-owned dealership since 1915. 4th Street, Sunbury, and Routes 11 and 15. Almost worth selling brand-new Ford, Hyundais, Kias. And they would just love to super-serve you. Sometimes there's a waiting list. Sometimes they can tell you there's one on the truck. There's three shiny F-150s down there on the lot. They unloaded a bunch of cars the other day, and then F-150 was right at the end, <laughs> dangling off the back of the truck. One of the but EV one? Uh, nope, nope. Joe's Lightning is... I haven't seen a Lightning out of Sunbury Motor Company yet. I think that's... Uh, I believe July is the mm. uh, delivery date, but uh, I'll have to check on that, uh, Jeff. We should do a remote when it shows up. Well, yeah, and uh, already... Um, Joe poo-poo's it. No electric vehicle. He's he's like, no, I'm, he has 220 in his garage already for the dryer, but he wants to didn't say uh, <laughs> uh, he doesn't want it. But anyway, I digress. Sunbury Motor Company, two places to shop, 4th Street and Sunbury, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. Go to the Quick Lane on North 4th Street and Sunbury. They specialize in all types of service there. Sunburymotors.com are a great sponsor and on the mark. Chris, you are on the mark. Thank you so much for calling in. Go right ahead. Yeah, about the investigation, the January 6th investigation, why it got set up the way it did, first of all, is probably because uh, the Republicans didn't want to be a part of it because they didn't want the investigation done because they had backtracked already from the, their uh, view view on it, and they didn't want all this stuff coming out about what what Pence was saying and how how people reacted. The people they're interviewing are mostly all Republicans, and they're also uh, the judge who uh, gave very powerful testimony yesterday is one of the most respected Republican judges there is. And a lot of the Supreme Court justices of the Republicans, I think, uh, were his clerks at one time. Uh the Republicans had an opportunity to put five people on the committee. Two of them were rejected for pretty obvious reasons to me, but instead of negotiating for two other people who might be uh, the uh, compromises on both sides, they uh, 
just walked away from it because they using that. I think they were those two were probably appointed just to create that reaction, and so they could have a pretense for backing out of it and not being part of it, so they could make this argument about it being nonpartisan. Sort of a backwards setup. Well, they, I think you should judge them by their product, and uh, if you look what's going on, they're 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 doing te- all all their stuff has been basically Republicans testifying, right? And they're the ones who are are, are expressing these opinions. Yeah, I don't mean to imply at all it has no value. I mean, look at the investigative information that we've uncovered so far; it's just great. And I think a lot of it will lead to indictments. Some of it is already being used to draft legislation that would prevent a vice president from having any wiggle room when it comes to pronouncing the electoral vote. So. I think there is going to be good come of it. It certainly is a one-sided thing, and you got Liz Cheney at the microphone, which is kind of tough. But uh, well, hey, the Republicans had people the opportunity to have uh, their people on, and they 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 walked away from it. Mm, no, they didn't have the opportunity. They this is the first time, as the caller earlier said, uh, Chris. This is the first time that the speaker. Done it. Well, you say they should have. They felt they did. They felt. Uh, they, this they was going to be a setup. So, no, so so it, so it is what it is, and uh, you can say they should have negotiated. They did negotiate up front uh, before, and uh, this is the first uh, the unselect committee that has not been bipartisan and chosen by each side. So that's well, that's where it's at. It's not it's, no, it's un, it's it's an unselect committee. No, well, they weren't nonsense. selected by the uh, minority. Well, to be okay. continued, Chris. Thank you so much for calling <laughs> in. Nonsense in your mind, yeah. Reality well, and others. Yeah, but I don't know. I like that. The unselect committee. I like that. Thank you, sir. We'll see okay. you in a week. Good weekend. Enjoy the weekend. It's going to be beautiful. You're listening to News Radio 1070, WKOK Sunbury. Time for the Dan Patrick Show on WKOK. Okay.